0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. I want to share a lot of things with you. This is the beginning of the new year. We're we're in uh, our study of Philippians, which we will finish up today. Uh, but as usual, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's been in the news. And one of the big things that's been in the news is the fires in Australia. And everybody thinks, oh my gosh, there's terrible fires and everything. And what you're actually seeing unfold is a little bit like what we saw a number of years ago when there was a shark attack down in Florida and somebody had a video phone this is the days of the video beginning of the video phone (laughs) taking pictures and they were photographing the shark attack and next thing you know every week you were hearing about another shark attack and people were thinking like what's going on all these sharks attacking people into the world and we think that something bizarre is taking place and actually there were less shark attacks that year than there had been in several previous years. But there was now a video <laughs> film at eleven kind of thing where you could actually see it and that makes the news and you would everybody got the feeling that there were all these shark attacks taking place. There wasn't. This was an illusion created by the fact that somebody had a video phone. So we we have these videos of showing different things going on and it can give you a one-sided view of things which is not correct. Now, the really bad thing about that is that people who have malevolent intent will take that opportunity to skew the narrative to make you think that things are happening that are not happening or that things happen that did not happen. And uh, secondary aspect of that is you won't see what's really going on because you're too busy looking at what's not going on. So the distortion that the media is allowed to create in your mind has captured the imagination of evil people in the world who are manipulating the media. Now, some of the media is manipulated simply by greed. You know, they want you to watch their channel. The more you watch their channels, the higher their ratings, the higher their ratings, the more they charge for advertising. And so there's a monetary skewing of the media right there. But we've seen recently that CNN has actually dropped in its listeners and, and, and viewers because of the fact that it does present a lot of information that is simply not true, they're just sued by uh well by lawyers but because of the Covington kids who were accused of harassing this poor Indian on the steps uh in washington d c and of course, they did nothing like that at all. They hadn't harassed anybody that that they were actually approached by others. They had been fairly well behaved, considering it's a bunch of teenagers having their their day in Washington, and they were all having good time. And uh, the media knew it from the videos that were shot, again by somebody's phone, that these boys were absolutely innocent and not not doing anything bad whatsoever, and they were pretty good kids, pretty well behaved. But they skewed it by showing clips of the video and adding a narrative where people like uh, Elizabeth Warren, who I guess has just been named in a lawsuit, was saying that that the boy had a punchable face, which of course is hate speech, uh, hate speech, and actually enticing people to do violence, just like we've seen a number of fairly prominent celebrities suggesting to assassinate the president of the United States. Absolutely horribly irresponsible thing to say, whether you disagree with the president or not, you're actually advocating that somebody assassinates him. And this all comes out of the fact that there was evidently an an attack on military forces operating within Iraq against the will of the Iraqi government. (laughs) And, you know, that was, uh, you know, a foreign general had come there to help Organize a militia that was trying to overthrow the existing government and actually attack America's. Now, personally, I don't think America, or the United States, should even be in Iraq, but they made a lot of bad choices in the past and it has led them to this place. Now, if they actually were to withdraw right now, all kinds of bad things will happen. If they stay there, probably all kinds of bad things will happen. We make these choices and we go down roads and we, we create consequences and bad things happen. What I would like to see is people going the other way, which is what repentance is all about. Turning around and going the way where you won't make all these stupid mistakes and get into all this trouble. So I bring up these things in the news so that you, you know that there is another way. And that way is the way of Christ. I don't believe that any president or prime minister of the world is your salvation. I pray that they all wake up, but I also pray daily that you all wake up. And that's, that's my hope. That's my prayer is that you wake up. So we're gonna relate modern events. And put them in the context of the gospel of the kingdom. So, anyway, so the, we have this power of the media to skew your thinking. And we I mentioned the fires in Australia. And people think, oh, this huge amount of fires going on in Australia. And, we, and this is all due to global warming. I, I think Jennifer Aniston at some global awards or something, some media awards event. Was mentioning that, you know, this fire is obviously due to global warming. Well, how is that? Uh, I mean, is the sun setting things on fire? Is that how these fires were set? Uh, was it drought that brought these about? How bad are these fires? Are these, are these the biggest fires that have ever happened in Australia? Are these the hottest days that have ever happened in Australia? Well, if you watch certain media channels, You would definitely think that that's the case, that it is, you know, that there's this huge uh, global warming that is causing these fires. Well, only about 6 million acres have actually burned, uh, at least as of a day ago or so. It's actually a little bit uh, less than that. It's 5.8 or 9 or something like that. Well, in 1974, which was the height of the climate change, where the climate experts were predicting an ice age because of global cooling that had gone on for the previous 30 years. Now, this is just a historical fact. I mean, they were predicting global uh, ice age because of global cooling in 1970s. And in 1974, they had a fire in Australia that burned 117 million acres. 117 million acres of Australia compared to 6 million acres of Australia or 5 point something million acres of Australia. What on earth? That was the far worse fire. You know, when the hottest temperature in Australia was recorded. Uh, was it recently? Is it in the last few years? In the last decade? Last two decades? It's actually 1909. <laughs> 1909 was the hot. And then it went through a kind of a cooling period, overall cooling period, because the Earth went through an overall cooling period from about the 1940s to the 1970s. Any. Uh, astrophysicists will tell you that most of this, and and if they also study other sciences such as uh, uh, meteorology, know that most of the global warming and cooling is due to the events on the sun and the amount of solar energy that comes into the planet. In just a few minutes, you'll get more heat from the sun than you're going to get from all the fires in Australia. Maybe in a few seconds you will get more heat from the sun than from all the fires in Australia of this last century. Now, that's a lot of heat. And that's what's coming in on a regular basis. We have a very stable sun, although there is fluctuation. I mean, it reverses its uh, magnetic field every 11 years. That's an amazing event in itself. Uh, It has solar storms. It has... Uh, coronal mass ejections—it has all kinds of things, and that affects, that creates hurricanes and everything. And climatologists will tell you that that's the case. If, if they don't tell you that, they must be climate deniers, <laughs> because it is well established. And I, I'm not going to go through all of it right now, but basically, you know, I posted on Facebook. You know, I have a Facebook page, and I posted there. I really should separate my family Facebook pages stuff out from these other things but uh and I may do that eventually but right now I I post things on there once in a while because I see people anytime I see somebody expressing things that are not true and I had a lot of people asking me about what's going on in Australia because they know they can't trust the media and then of course we saw Jennifer Aniston up there saying you know that it's obviously global warming uh, which it isn't. It has nothing to do with global warming. And if you don't believe me, you can ask another Jennifer, who actually is much, much smarter, in my opinion, than Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> and much better informed than Jennifer Aniston. And that's Jennifer, uh, Marossi. Uh, Maroossi. It's, uh, M-A-R-O-H-A-S-Y. And she's a scientist. She's actually a scientist. <laughs> in australia and she has caught the the expert climatologist forging temperature data and re entering temperature data to get a different outcome they they're altering temperature data from the past they're cooling the past they're changing data readings that came in in the past so that they can suggest that things are getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Almost all the models that predicted, you know, Arctic melting and, you know, global warming and we're all going to die in 12 years and they've been doing this for 20 years or more, almost all of those models have proven to be inaccurate, wholly inaccurate, completely inaccurate. There may be some slight global warming, but then the question is, and we always get this when we talk about vaccinations and autism, uh, correlation is not causation. Even though the statistical evidence that autism is connected to vaccinations, excessive vaccinations that we get in small children, it, it that correlation is huge. The correlation of temperatures rising. Uh, much less rising due to carbon dioxide, the science is not there it isn't there, despite the science guy who is not a scientist either. it is sim- now there are lots of scientists coming out and willing to say that no, the science isn't there. It is evidently, according to climatologists and physicists and chemists, that the rise in carbon dioxide is more likely due to the rise in temperature, not the rise in temperature due to the rise in carbon dioxide. Yeah, they're both going up a little bit, but which one is causing? You know, correlation is not causation. What is causing? And very intelligent, bright, uh, PhD scientists are now looking at the data. They're not only finding that a lot of the data has been falsified, they're not only finding that the computer models are completely incorrect, vastly incorrect, but that they have actually been ongoingly, we've uncovered it before with the emails, but now actually people are on the ground, boots on the ground, looking at the data coming in and realize that that they're seeing the data that's reported by the climatologists are doing so incorrectly they're changing the temperatures so that you think things are getting warmer and they're actually not getting warmer enough so i mean it's it's become really an embarrassment that all their predictions are false so what's really going on in our minds by the media. Now, a lot of people aren't going to listen to what I'm have, at saying right now. And we don't get out to millions and millions of people, at least not yet. We're recording all these things, and they are available. I just put the last of all of our 2019 recordings on our page at Preparing You Audio. So you can go there, and you can see here any of our recordings that from 2019. And now we're going to start our recordings from 2020. And we're labeling them. We need more workers uh, more chief cooks and bottle washers to help organize these things. I put them up there, but we can put in uh, titles. And we have a number of people setting up podcasts and stuff like that. But it's up to you guys how you want to get involved because we're the free society. We're advocating freedom and liberty of choice. And the rest of society wants to force a carbon tax on you for a global warming threat that does not seem to actually exist. And the reduction of carbon has nothing to do with the increase, the minor increase in temperatures. Has nothing to do with the melting of the Arctic and Antarctic, which are being melted from under, from underneath, because the core of the planet is actually heating up, and there are volcanoes going off under the Antarctic ice cap. And that's melting ice. And there, there are mud volcanoes going off up in the Arctic, and that's melting ice. There are seas off the coast of Iceland that are boiling, and ships are routed around them. But the media doesn't tell you this so that you don't know it. And so you think, because Jennifer Aniston says it, and she's so cute, you know? I mean, she's got to be telling you the truth. You believe everything she says, that it's global warming, so it must be. Well, personally, I think Jennifer Morosi's is pretty cute too, So, but she actually has the PhDs, and she's not the only one with the PhDs that are coming out of the woodwork, and there's a lot more, and I can name a bunch of them, and I may do that in this afternoon show, but we want to go on to some of the other things. There was another PhD that came out and was, has been saying this for years, warning about these fires uh, uh, that will be devastating fires because of the fact they've changed... Certain practices of the indigenous people years ago that burned off the outback, not in the season where it's real hot, but in the cool season with what they call cool fires. But they're more thorough fires. They burn up the excess amount of fuel. And we saw the same thing here in California, paradise. The whole city destroyed. Why? Because excess amount of fuel was available. Supposedly, They're not even sure exactly what started that fire in California. Built, burned out the whole town. But, you know, they're blaming it some uh, on the power companies. But the power companies' hands are getting tied by environmentalists who are experts. They think they're experts. That's another topic that came up this week. And they won't let people go in and thin the woods and cut out the dead wood and, and all this stuff. They make it difficult. And, of course, the Forest Service this is... Very badly managing the woods because partly because of just bureaucratic incompetence, partly because of the environmentalists threatening them with lawsuits every time they want to clear stands of dangerous fuel accumulation. And we used to put these fires out. And you know, I can, I have personal experience. You know, one of the fires that were started in Australia or half of the fires. ...that were started in Australia... was started by people. They they believe that it's from 50 to 80% of the fires... ...were started by people. Some by people who just disregarded... ...the ban on open fires. Some by actual arsonists. Some by people who wanted to start fires... ...to burn off the brush. This isn't the time you do it. You should have done it in the cooler period... ...not in the middle of their literal summer... ...which is the middle of our winter. But anyway... It could be as many as 20 to 40% of the fires were started by arsonists. They've caught, they've arrested almost 200 people. And, but a lot of them are children and they're not going to prosecute them. But, uh, that's the ones they caught. (laughs) How many didn't they catch? You know, when I was fighting fires for a living, it was very hard to, I could see the arsonists out there starting the fires, but we couldn't get to them. Fast enough. We were too busy fighting the fires and, and trying to put them out. But uh, most people knew who it was. But so that goes on too, and and we'll talk a little bit more about why does somebody start those fires. It has to do with why do you you invade Iraq? <laughs> was well, it weapons of mass destruction? There's there's a lot of things that are motivating people, and that's what they've discovered is that if you put the right videos and narratives. On the TV screen, a lot of people are just led like lemmings down a path of thinking. Now, the same thing has happened with Christianity. You know, they've presented a narrative about what the Bible says, and people have believed that. They were taught it when they were a kid, or they heard it on the TV, or whatever. They accepted it is true, and now to let go of that, they feel like they are losing their faith. Well, the fact is, they have a faith in a false Christ, false narrative of Christ. So that's why in our books, which are all free online, and and many of our articles and everything that are all available at hisholychurch dot org or or at you dot com, or you know, we there's a lot of people putting them up and reposting them. They see these articles, but if you go down and read the footnotes, we show you where we're getting the information and how it relates to the Bible. I just added several more Bible quotes to our article on Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution. Which most people in Oregon, most constitutionalists in Oregon, are completely oblivious of. They have no knowledge of it. And you will, and you will not get knowledge of it by watching the news. You have to create your own networks. If you, if you do a search on Google, you might not even find it because they're skewing what you get to see. They're altering what you get to see. I recommend that if you, if you, well, if you're watching CNN or NS, uh, what all the, I can't even remember all ABC and NBC and all these different, uh, networks, if you're watching them, you need to watch some Fox. I'm not saying that Fox isn't biased, too, but you need to balance it out a little bit. You need to look for other sources. And really, if you were doing what Christ said, you would be in a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, we've had congregations get together of tens. That's the way the early church was organized. Ten families get together, and that's a congregation. Now, they might occasionally get together with a hundred families, But that would be ten congregations coming together. And the ministers of each of those congregations would have a minister. And he would be called uh, an episcopo or episcopate. And we translate that as overseer or bishop. But what it meant was he, he was a minister of ten ministers. And those ten ministers were the ministers of ten families. So in a sense, he's an overseer. Of a hundred families. He doesn't have any authority over them. He's not telling them what to think and what to believe. He gets to speak. There's freedom of speech in the kingdom of God. And all those elders and all those congregations, which an elder is just the head of a family, they get to speak. There's nobody exercising authority one over the other, but there's everybody exercising the freedom of choice, which we call liberty. And they're working together in a voluntary society to take care of the needy of their society, including themselves. And that's what the kingdom of God is. It's God in the hearts of every individual. And so, but the world is trying to lead you away from that. And we're trying to lead you back. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, there's a number of other stories that are in the news. And... uh One of them is a local one here in Oregon, and a number of people locally, as well as uh, throughout their own personal network, the individual, he wants to work on this Article 2, Section 22, and he sees corruption in the government. He's a young guy. I knew him back when he was a little kid. You know, he's grown up now, got kids of his own, and he's starting to see corruption in the government. He's starting to see that they don't seem to be paying attention to our Constitution. So he's been studying it and helping other people study it. I don't know that he's read our book yet on the Constitution, but I know he's got a good heart. And he's, he's come across the story of Kylie and Kristen. Uh, Kylie has a liver cancer. She's a young girl. And she's gone through chemotherapy, and it almost killed her. Actually, it did kill her. She, I mean, she had to be resuscitated once Uh because, I mean, it was just... And that's often what, you know, uh chemotherapy is. It's a race. Kill the cancer or kill the person. We hope the cancer dies before the person does. It often devastates your immune system, and it doesn't really have a really good track record. But it's all the modern medical society seems to come up with and if you buck that idea you're in a lot of trouble they they don't like it if you question their authority in medicine but there's a lot of doctors out there who are starting to question this there's a lot of doctors that are thinking you know we shouldn't be giving all these kids vaccinations that it's it you know because correlation is not causation you know like we you go read our article on vaccines Most of the information on our page on vaccines comes from the CDC site. They tell you that most of the cases of polio occurring today in places like Syria and Congo are coming from the vaccine. They're not coming from wild viruses. They're coming from the vaccine. They tell you that. The CDC tells you that. The news media is not going to tell you that because it doesn't fit the narrative. You know, when there's a shark attack, they're going to say, oh, shark attack. And they're all going to say the same thing and oh, sharks are attacking people in record numbers. No, they're not. And polio was almost gone just the same as uh, the Spanish flu was almost gone a few years after it came about and started killing thousands and thousands of people and there's a reason for that. We go into a study on that. But polio, 95% percent of the people who got polio never showed any visible symptoms whatsoever, but developed lifetime immunity to polio. Now, I'll say that again. 95% of the people, this is their figures, who got polio never showed any visible symptoms, detectable symptoms of polio, yet they got lifetime immunity. Now that had been going on for years in places like New York and all over the country where there were polio outbreaks. And you would see these horrible cases of polio. But that was only maybe 5%. Actually, the horrible cases was only like 2% of the people who got polio had terrible, terrible, devastating, uh, you know, effects of polio. I knew, I went to school with kids who had had polio. And, uh, he got along pretty good. I mean, he had one leg that was really shrunk up and everything. But I'd see him, we'd come to a fence, we worked out in the woods, and he'd come to a fence, and he, he had tr- 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 tremendous arms. And he would swing his good leg, catch his bad leg, and fly over the fence. But, most people no, sh- never showed any symptoms. Of those 5% that showed some symptoms, most of them got over those symptoms and never showed any ill effect. My friend, he showed an ill effect, but he overcame it with really strong arms and determination. But the reality is that 95, 97% that were not devastated by polio had lifetime immunity. Long comes a vaccine. They start administering the vaccine. And everybody was already immune to polio. Not everybody, but a lot of people were already immune to polio. Even the guy who invented the polio vaccine says that, you know, after, I think he testified in the 70s, and we show that testimony, it's a congressional testimony, that most of the people getting polio after a certain point were getting it from the vaccine. Getting it, from the vaccine. The inventor of the vaccine was saying that. <laughs> so, anyway, I mean, this is testimony you can you can check, you know. But you're not going to hear it in the media. Not in most of the media. That's why you need to look for other sources. You need to develop an ability to have critical thinking. In order to do that, you need to be willing to listen to other people even though they might be wrong, hear them out, and then do your own research or get together with other people that are doing such research and find out and I was mentioning in in the first quarter of the show that that uh we had congregations where people came and they wanted to talk about preparedness and and you know the government's doing this bad thing and that bad thing. And there's a place for that kind of conversation. But that's not where you need to be all the time. You need to be thinking about becoming a doer. And we'll see that in our study of Philippians. That you have to put the doing into place that you need to be doing. Now, in Oregon, the, the people that are dealing with this is Kristen is the mother and, and Kylie is the, the daughter. And they have medically kidnapped the daughter the mother made lots of mistakes in dealing with things. I mean, she's, she saw her daughter die and be resuscitated and you know, the debilitating effects of chemotherapy and they want to have another, uh, liver surgery, but they want to have it in a hospital that cannot replace her liver if they damage it during the surgery. So she could literally die on the operating table. She wants a second opinion and go to another hospital that could also Conduct a liver transplant if they're unable to fix the liver with the operation. But she wants that second opinion. The courts are denying it. DHS is denying it. And they're getting away with it because the courts are going along with this. The courts are a mess in America. I mean, there's some good judges out there. There's, There's even a couple of good attorneys out there. But there's a lot of guys who don't know what they're doing. And there's a, so I shared with them a, a website called medicalkidnap.com, uh, medicalkidnap.com. And, uh, .com, medical and uh, I just gave them a story that same day that they were telling me about this story that uh, twins were taken away from their parents because they did home birth. The kids are okay. They had another kid. It's okay. The the children were being breastfed, but they took them away from the parents so they could not breastfeed the children. They took Kylie away from their mother and not even allowing Kylie to talk to the mother. We had a story a number of years ago of the same kind of thing that was going on in Massachusetts with with a daughter. They took her away from all of her family, who was a loving family. And it was just the decision of one hospital. They wanted to go to a different hospital that was in another state than the one that she had been going to. They wouldn't let her out. They wouldn't let her go and get that second opinion. And another medical doctor or two, these aren't people, radical people. They just thought that this other one was better. The first one wouldn't let her go. Now, how does that come about? And that we act like these are isolated events, this this event of these children being taken away from their, their loving parents. It just, it just was the same day as they notified me. I can't find you these cases every single day going on for hundreds, thousands of people all across the country. But you don't hear about it in the media, so you don't know what's happening. It's like the shark attacks without a video camera. It does, But one of the things, they close the information about these things so you can't see it. They don't want you to see it. They filter what you are allowed to see. You need to get in with people that want to see the whole truth and provide for it. I mean, one of the stories that, that was on this uh, uh, medical kidnap deal, and you can these there these people are associated with other people you know uh that have you know health impact news and uh it's a pretty well run website again any source you have even us question it i think that's great to question it and check it out but the the one story was unbelievable north carolina man was being in, in gaston county a gaston county social worker offered to clear his case and return his children, so that, you know the full custody of his children, if he would start to date her and evidently sleep with her. <laughs> now you think that's crazy? No, well nobody did that. He recorded the phone call. Uh, he he was afraid to come forward because he knows that what happens is that these bureaucracy, you know, they they all you know gather arms, and they go after them. They, they even tell you that that official is no longer working at that facility. Didn't say they were fired or prosecuted for for abuse of power. They're just not working there. And, you know, of course, we've seen that with with priests who you know, molests the children, and the bishop moves them to another diocese where nobody knows about it. And he continues to do it. The reality is that these are all offices of power, and you've been watching your TV and your video feeds and and your Facebook and your YouTube instead of finding out about your neighbor. Just, just this week, my wife got a premonition that uh, she needed to go down and check on... A neighbor. She started worrying about the neighbor. She, I heard her mention it twice. Then suddenly she got a call from the neighbor's sister, who says, "Normally my sister calls when she gets home. She didn't call me. Is she okay? Can you check on her? Because she knew we lived nearby." Well, we, my wife says, "I'm going down there. I see her putting on her coat to go down there. It's dark, and it's cold outside." And I, I said, you know, I, I was sensing this before. Because my wife kept going back to this idea of going down and checking on her. And uh, I said, you want me to go with you? And she said, yes. <laughs> well, good thing I did. Because the woman had fallen. And she was out in the cold for three hours. I mean, cold, cold. And it was doing nothing but getting colder and colder. She could not get up. And she was going into hypothermia. And if my wife would not have been able to lift her, I don't know if I could have lifted her alone without some of my wife's help because she's a heavy woman, you know, deadlift off the ground. And we got her in, got her into a shower, got her starting to warm up, got warm food into her and probably saved her life because of the fact that we didn't just sit there and watch TV. We had this second sense that there was needed to be help. We kept wondering about it. We got it an extra second witness from her sister, and we ran down there, and we literally saved her life. That's what you need to be doing with all these people that are being medically kidnapped. And they're getting away. This is not new. I just added to our article on the dentist of Pergamos. (laughs) So who's the dentist of Pergamos? He was back there in the first century, and he was martyred, executed, by the AMA of the day, by the the medical institution of the day, because people, they went to him for dentistry, and he was a licensed dentist, and they went to him for their teeth, but then they were being healed by his touch. And he was also a bishop in the early church, so that meant he was the overseer of a 100 congregations at least. Could have been over a 1,000 congregations because of, uh, you know, if you're a minister of ten ministers, you'll get together with nine other ministers like yourself and you will pick a minister and he will be the minister of a thousand. This is the tens, hundreds, and thousands that Christ commanded that we organize ourselves into in ranks of ten, in ranks of fifties, and ranks of a hundred, in ranks of a thousand. And that's what Christ commanded, that his ministers do that, organize the people in that way. You didn't know that? It's because they're filtering the information that's in the Bible. Because that's right in the Bible. And it's right in history. And the reason they did that is because they were seeing the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And what was happening was everybody was going to the government for their free bread. And this was altering the character of the people. When you become a doer of the word, it will alter your character. It will change the way you think. Because the Holy Spirit will start to write upon your heart and upon your mind. And receiving the Holy Spirit is not an emotional uh excitement or experience. It is a calm, still voice that speaks in your heart, get up and check on your neighbor. <laughs> because your neighbor's in trouble. You know, while she was there, freezing, slowly freezing to death. I'll lay you odds that she did the prayer. And I didn't ask her. But anyway, God had us go down there and save her life. Because if she had gone overnight, I mean, it's it's cold out. And uh if she had gone overnight, I don't think she would have made it. She would have been, you know, popsicle by morning. And, uh, you know, she didn't have her, she had put her phone in the house already and she was walking around and she fell. And... uh And the fact is, she needed neighbors who would actually act upon what was being written in their hearts to come to her aid. You know, one of the things Albert Einstein said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. And he would probably say, watch them on media, on electronic digital media, Without doing anything, if it had been invented, when he said that, but that that's that's been well understood for thousands of years. Good men who do nothing are the greatest allies of evil, and so, but what are you used to doing? these young people that are, and these people that are, want to come and help Kylie, you can look up the story of Kylie and her mother Kristen. Just add, you you can't just type in Kylie K Y L E E because you'll get. Kylie Jenner, <laughs> so you have to put in Kylie, Kristen, and cancer, and you'll start getting stories about it, but uh they, they're going to operate on her against your will, over her objection, over the objection of her mother, they're just going to do this, what happened, it's my body, what happened to that, <laughs> what happened to, I don't want, To have you cut me open and start slicing on my liver again. You don't, she doesn't get to say that. And, you know, they put her in foster care where she is evidently abused in foster care. And so they, what did they do? They moved her to another foster care home. This goes on all the time, folks. It's just not allowed to video it. You're not allowed to know it. I mean, the guy who recorded that call, he was worried because there are laws in the state in different states, I don't know about North Carolina, you can't record the call of an official of the government. They want to operate in the dark. That's why judges put, uh you know, uh, sealed orders on, you know, gag orders on their cases. They don't want you to see it. Uh, and I could go on about that for hours and hours. And I could tell you all kinds of stories. But what these people don't know is you need the Holy Spirit to go in there. And you don't get the Holy Spirit operating with you if you're bearing false witness. If you're coveting your neighbor's goods. If you're being slothful. You're not going to get it. You have to be a doer of the word. And then the Holy Spirit will come to you. And we'll see that in Philippians. Because he Paul tells you that in Philippians. Now everybody's going to say, no, all you have to do is believe. Paul said, "All you have to." you're taking Paul out of the context of Paul. You're certainly taking Paul out of the context of Christ. That is a false media gospel. That is fake gospel. And you should not be listening to the people who tell you that because they're leading you down the road to perdition. You need to repent and think like Christ said to think. But anyway, I'm looking here. I have tons of notes on Australia because I did a lot of research on that. But the idea, the reason I bring this up in the news is that People are led down these ideas, you know, like global warming exists. They believe there's, there's global warming. If there was, why are they faking the temperatures? Why are they forging the temperatures? Even Indonesia, when they went to digital thermometers, they knew enough to keep the old mercury th- thermometers in the same boxes, in the same containers. And then they would compare The mercury thermometers to the digital thermometers. Digital thermometers need to be calibrated from time to time. Mercury thermometers are what they are. Now, that's important because in Australia, they removed the mercury thermometers and only put the digital thermometers. That's vanity. Think that our new invention is better than the old. Not always the case. Not always the case. So, you know, I'm still driving 40 year old cars, because some of those 40 year old vehicles are better than what you could buy for 10 times the money. <laughs> you have to keep them up, but they, some of them are wearing out, but, uh, that kind of, we, we just, uh, well, I, I won't go into that, but uh, I was just working on a piece of equipment that was new in, at least in 1960, <laughs> and it's still working good, but, uh, but they just don't make parts for it anymore, so I have to change it out. But anyway, the uh, uh, we need to understand that just because somebody told it to you, it ain't necessarily so. You need to, and that's one of the things, and becoming awake requires you to awaken to your own error. You can't become a true expert until you're really good admitting you were wrong. You have to be willing to see I was wrong. I only had a degree of knowledge. I may have been wrong. And then you change what you're doing. i uh, also tell you the, the name of Kylie and Kristen, Christina is, the last name is Dixon. So you can look that up too as well. So that's a way you can do your own research on that story. It's in Oregon. It's going on right now. I think it's up in the Salem areas where the court take, cases are taking place and uh, get a hold of people. Uh, that's the thing is these young people and or these people that are trying to defend Kylie's case, I'm trying to tell them this has been going on for a long time. And they say, oh, yeah, but we want to focus on Kylie's case. And I understand that because that's that's what's there right in front of you. But you're going up against a Goliath of a spiritual evil that is pervasive throughout this country and the whole world today. You need to get a big picture here. You're going to just wear out on one one story. You'll go and you'll be absolutely frustrated and you'll say, well, I, I don't know, it was just a waste of time. We never got anywhere. Nothing ever happened. Because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're up against. And you don't have the full armor of God to go in there and to go into court and fight these things. Most of the time when I went into court, I didn't do any arguing. I came in and sat down and had a greater effect than some of the attorneys up there who were getting arrested, speaking out against the corruption in the court. And when there's a lot of money involved, I mean, most of them are doing this out of vanity and power and control. Somebody questioned, Christina questioned their authority. And they came down on her with both feet. She's all alone. She has no network of people backing her up. Now she's madly and she's not even doing it. other people are madly trying to scramble and put together a network and they find out only a couple people show up at the court case you needed to have the network to begin with and you should have built that through your churches like Christ commanded but you didn't because you think you're already saved because you believe an idea but you don't believe the whole idea of Christ Somebody has preached to you a false Christ, a Christ without some of the gospel and doctrines of Christ. If you don't know that Christ commanded that his disciples make the people sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purposes of creating a daily ministration of sharing instead of the one of force that you depend upon from Caesar... If you don't understand that, you haven't even heard the gospel yet. That's right. You haven't even heard. You don't know what Jesus came to teach you. Because your pastors have believed the lie that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority one over the other, to government. That that's okay. That is not okay with Christ. It was condemned by Christ. It was condemned by John the Baptist. It was condemned by Abraham and Moses. But you think it's okay. It's not okay. And that's why Kylie doesn't isn't in the hands of her mother. That's why this has come about. Because somebody went down the wrong road. You know, that's which takes me back to what I was saying. I don't really think that the United States forces and Americans, which are the people, that's the nation of America, Americans are the people who live in this area, although there are other nations here now, <laughs> but Americans should not be over there fighting in Iraq. Unless they voluntarily went over there and joined the Iraqi army. They can do that. We were doing that before World War II. In Spain, there were a lot of Americans who went over and joined the Spanish forces to fight against the fascists. And Americans can do that. But the idea of the United States gathering its forces to go over there and fight in these wars is a big mistake. We should not have gone down that road. They did, so now you have to deal with life where you're at. And it's I mean it's like now how how do you get out of this how how do you change things how do you turn back well the reason whole thousands of people over there dying is because we became a collective the quest for the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness is not a collective activity it's an individual activity you need to start individually. Finding out what is right and doing it wherever you're at. If you're in political office, if you're in the army, if you're a policeman, if you're a priest, I don't care what. You have to start seeing the whole truth and providing for it. But anyway, so we're going to have to get into Philippians next. There's actually a number of other stories that have in the news, but we'll just save those for the afternoon program. Maybe we'll have a little bit of time because we only have one more chapter. We're in Philippians 4. So, if you want to uh, follow along with us, you can go to Preparing You and find it. We'll we'll be right back. So, welcome back. So, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4. And a brief recap, just to remind you that in chapter 3, like verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press towards the mark. That's a process. Seeking the kingdom of God is a process. Seeking is a process word. And seeking the kingdom of God requires that you also seek the righteousness of God. And of course, like I just said in the previous, it is not righteous to covet your neighbor's goods, especially through men who exercise authority one over the other. And, you know, like I, I remind you that I've, I've Added to our Article 2, Section 22 page, I put more biblical quotes there so you can understand what's going on there. The only reason I refer to Article 2, Section 22, I don't want to change the government. I want to change your hearts so that you actually stop bearing false witness. And so that you understand that you're looking to men that are bearing false witness, and they will deceive the brethren. The same as we see in the ministry of many churches. Now, some of those ministers have good hearts, but they were deceived. But they also have to have the humility to admit that they were deceived so that they can think differently, which is what repentance is, and go the other way. I'm only saying this so that you might be saved, the same as Christ came, that you might be saved, but you have to repent, think differently. You have to think like Christ according to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus that Paul is talking about. But you can't cut out part of Paul and tell me you're preaching Paul. You have to preach the whole Paul and everything that he said and put it into the context of Paul. And because Paul preached Christ first, you have to put it in the context of Christ. And the modern churches are not doing that, which is why you're in Iraq, if you're a U.S. citizen, because I'm not just talking to U.S. citizens. And it's also why Kylie has been taken away from her mother, because she was not prepared for the enemy. She had not put on... Now, that doesn't mean that we can't help her or try to help her, but you need to see the big picture. You need to see what you've been doing wrong and what everybody else has been doing wrong, and start doing what is right. And that's what Paul is talking to people that have started doing what's right, and he's trying to keep them in that process of pressing towards the mark. And he goes on to say, you know, to to be perfect. He says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything, ye be Otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And that's what I'm trying to do is, I know a lot of you are good people out there, but you are missing something. And I am trying to bring you into remembrance of the wholeness of the gospel. And Paul goes in verse 17 saying, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have uh, have us for an ensample. What were the Christians doing? They had created a daily ministration of pure religion unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government. They were not praying to the fathers of the earth or the benefactors who exercise authority. You know, the people who give you benefits by taking away from your neighbor. They were not engaged in covetous practices. And that's why Peter says... That through covetous practices you will be made merchandise and curse your children who will become surety for debt. Which has all happened while you were going to what you thought was the church or your church. It's not his church. In order for it to be his church, it has to receive and preserve his doctrines. His doctrine says, sit down in the tens, hundreds, thousands and love one another, care for one another. Don't go to the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. Be the benefactors who exercise love. This is why all these bad things you see happening in the world are happening. If you don't fix this, the car's not going to (laughs) run. Okay? Write it down. So anyway, he says, brethren, be followers together. He goes on in verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven. Conversation. What, are we talking in heaven? Is that, because the conversation, that's when, you know, like two people talk. That's conversation, right? No, that's not what the word is that Paul put there in the Greek. He put the word there that is polytuma. Polytuma is the Greek word. That means, I'm reading the definition now right out of a concordance, the administration of civil affairs or of a commonwealth. That's what the word means. <laughs> it means the administration of civil, the church was administering civil affairs. What civil affairs? The welfare of the people in pure religion, taking care of the widows and needy, you know. We didn't call 911. When the lady next door needed to be, her life needed to be saved. We went down and saved it. Now, I actually, we don't, we very seldom call 911 because we know the guy who's going to respond. We call him direct. He's always saying, don't call me, call 911 and then I'll come. (laughs) But we could actually handle it ourselves and we let him get a good night's sleep. Because... You know, we live in a small community. We know everybody who drives the ambulances and all those kinds of things. It's a voluntary ambulance. But we would call the... I don't even know. I suppose the police dispatch would have still been working. We live in such a small community. 911 doesn't work 24 hours a day. (laughs) Because they go home to bed. You know, we just don't have 24-hour coverage. So we have a tendency to learn how to handle things ourselves. But... That conversation is in heaven means the administration of civil affairs is in our hearts and in our minds. And we depend upon the God of heaven to write upon our hearts and minds to know what to do. You know, like, should we invade Iraq or should we not invade Iraq? You know, well that's it. That's what, we don't go and ask some politician should we invade Iraq, <laughs> cause they'll lie to you about weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to pick on all of them, but they did lie about weapons of mass destruction. So, the kingdom of God is the government of God. It's not like the governments of the world who exercise authority one over the other, who get you to take oaths and bind yourself to their rule, and they can make laws for you. God has already made the laws. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet your neighbor's goods. Don't rob. Don't steal. Don't cheat. You know, so we already have the law. How we enforce that law, God has to write on our hearts. And Christ said, sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and do that. And that's what you should be doing. So therefore, when you do gather together, don't just talk about preparedness and, you know, what the government's doing that's bad and everything. Talk about what you can do that's good. How can you do good? Do something of value. To become of value to your neighbor. To, to your, your fellow man. That's what you want to be doing in church. And unfortunately, the churches, most people go there to feel good. They don't go there to do good. But that's not what Christ said. And that's not what you're going to see Paul saying. In chapter four, it begins, Therefore, my brethren, Dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast. What does he mean stand fast? To per, it means to persevere, to persist. So that's, that's an action word of, of continuing in that process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, of, like Jesus said, attending to the weightier matters. It is not just what's happening to Kylie. Kylie. So, Christ condemned the Pharisees because they were not attending to the weightier matters. I don't know how many people go to church and say, well, that's the job of the government. That doesn't have anything to do with our faith. You know, that person's got to have a lot to answer to because the Pharisees were condemned for not attending to law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And so, people need... To gather together for that purpose, which is one of the purposes of Christ. So anyway, he goes on to say, in here, let's see, did I drop off here? He says, uh, "In the Lord, my dearly beloved, beseech." And he mentions a number of people: Eudias and beseech, uh, Sentechi. That I've got a glare here on my screen where I'm trying to look. I should just have this written out so I could just read it right out of the book. That they be of the same mind in the Lord. So he wants you all to be of the same mind in the Lord. He wants you to be following what Christ actually said. So there, again, you cannot understand Paul if you take him out of the context of Christ. Because he wants to constantly bring you into mind with what Christ said. And Christ said, not just be, you know, saying Lord, Lord. But you have to actually do the will of the Father. That is the definition of Worship. Worship isn't saying, Lord, Lord. Worship is doing the will of the Father. That's how you show homage to God. Is do what God wants you to do. And he says, and I entreat thee also. True yoke fellow. We're yoked to Christ. But unfortunately, most of you are yoked to the world. But that's another story. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. And Clement also. And with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful to be anxious. He says, be careful. it says, be anxious. That's the definition of the word. For nothing but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, the word there is Eucharistia. Eucharist. That is the Eucharist of Christ. Being thankful for the opportunity of being able to give and help others. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. What... He mentioned here, and I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but he talks about the Book of Life. Was that an actual book? The names of the Book of Life? There's a network of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And ten thousands. And, and, I mean, there was probably a couple million Christians all over the Roman Empire. And they were all organized in this network, which is why when Jerusalem fell, the Christians who fled Jerusalem... You know, they were allowed to come out, and they fled. They had a place to go, and they knew where to go, because they had this network. And the names of those networks are written down in the records of the people. And they found scraps of these deals, and that's how they come up with the names of who they believe was in the original 70 that Christ picked, which was the the Sanhedrin of Christ. That these were people, they knew who they were. They had their names written down. They called it the Book of Life. Later on in history, and you hear me talking about it, when we talk about William the Conqueror coming to England in 1066, which is a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem, he comes to Great Britain, and the same thing was going on in in France and and Germany with de Bullion and Stefan all in the same time frame about a thousand years after Christ, these kings were rising up. They created a book called the Doomsday Book. And if your name was in the Doomsday Book, you were subject to fealty of the king. There were lots of lands who were not in the Doomsday Book. A lot of people who lived in England who owned land and fee simple who were not subject to property tax. And they were not in the Doomsday Book in 1066. But over the next 300 years, just about everybody went into... Into that book. And they, they, that was now, that's not, that's the antithesis of the book of life. It's the book, the doomsday book. (laughs) So anyway, that's just a little anecdote that I thought I'd throw in here. And I can explain it later to people who want to know, but join the network and find out more. But anyway, I've got a section here that I call sum up. Let's see, did I get all that? Uh, Yeah, okay, uh, now we're in verse 8. Finally, brethren. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. That's right. He says, seen in me, do. And then he says, and the God of peace shall be with you. So I can only assume from that very clear statement of Paul that if you don't do, then the God of peace shall not ...be with you. Because that's the way that's written in the Greek. It's like, if you do, the God of peace shall be with you. If you don't do, he won't be with you. Well, that goes in the face of some of the modern gospel... ...that is really the fake gospel that people are t- preaching you. I'm not saying you earn salvation. You do not earn salvation. What I'm saying is that you still are keeping God away... ...from your heart and your mind. You're not keeping emotional away. you got lots of preachers to get you all emotional... ...and make you think you're saved... But you're not doing what Christ said. You're not a doer of the word. You're a hearer of some of the word, but not the whole word. And so you're not a doer of the whole word. And so, therefore, you find that the beasts of the earth are going about devouring who they will. And you say, that's not fair. I want to stop that. Great. I, I love your righteous indignation. But you need to have God hear your voice. You need to go in there to those courtrooms and those places with the power of God with you. If you're not going in there with the power of God, those judges are not going to bow down to you. They're not going to do what you say. Because you have no power. But if you go in with Christ, there will be a power with you. And you will see a change. If you don't understand how that works, then you should find out. You should press forward as Paul says and learn what it means to walk in the ways of Christ because if you're not walking in the ways of Christ and you go up against Goliath you're in a lot of trouble because you ain't got no slingshot you you haven't got no way of defeating them the people who want their right to bear arms think they're going to somehow overthrow tyranny with tyranny no you're not I'm not saying it's not good to have arms I'm saying it's not good to have arms but not have the Holy Spirit because all you're going to do is uh, sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. You need to turn around and repent and go the other way. and that's what people don't really understand. So anyway, verse ten verse ten, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful. But ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am that, uh, therewith to be content. He's okay. And actually, if you understood his imprisonment in Rome, which we've talked about, wasn't that bad. The, the, as far as an imprisonment in Rome, uh, because he wasn't in a jail cell. He was under house arrest, and he was staying with some very influential, powerful people uh, who also were under house arrest. <laughs> they could not leave that area. And uh, there's a serious historical question as to whatever happened to them, whether they died there or whether they actually returned to Great Britain, because he was staying with people from Great Britain. But anyway, that's another whole story. And I can't prove that at all, although it's referenced in the Gospels. And in the epistles, but uh, you may not, you know, I, I put some of these things together based on the historical documents. But it's not a question of faith. What is very clearly in the text, that you have to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And that if you're a worker of iniquity, in other words, coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other, you're a worker of iniquity and God is going to say, get ye from me you workers of iniquity. And your modern church isn't telling you that. And I am. So you can see how popular I am with a lot of people. But I'm not here as a matter of a popularity contest. I'm here to tell you the truth. I am that voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And the modern church is saying, no, it's okay to be crooked, to be deceitful, to be covetous, as long as you believe. No. They're not, they're holding up a false Christ to you. And they got you believing in that false Christ and you need to repent of that. So, but he's 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 not he's not really in want. He's content with where he's at. I know both how to be abased. I you know, he's suffered. I'm okay with that. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my afflictions. In other words, I think they helped them out with his, because he was limited. He couldn't travel around like he was traveling around before. You have to remember, Paul was moving emergency supplies from one part of the Roman Empire to the other. From Galatia to Corinth to Corinth to Jerusalem to Ephesus. He was moving stuff all around. He had a huge network that he was overseeing because he was a bishop of bishop of bishops. He was an overseer, overseer, of overseer. And he was very influential. And the fact that he had this status of Romeos allowed him to travel around with impunity. And also because he had the Holy Spirit with him. <laughs> he was there. But at times, he'd get beat up. Because he would push the envelope. And he was there and we've explained before why Paul even appealed to Rome. It wasn't because he was a Roman citizen. It was because he was Romeos. Different thing. So anyway, he says, notwithstanding, ye have well done. So they have evidently been communicating with his affliction and helping with what was going on. So the funds that were coming in wasn't providing him with his meal. He was well provided for for, by Claudius, uh, uh, Claudia and by Linus and by the others that were there in that same dwelling at that time. But he was able to do his work of moving funds around in the civil government of God. Which operates not by force, but by charity and love. That's what he was doing. This is, this is the kingdom of God. This is how they provided this daily administration in pure religion. Now ye Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, for even the Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Uh, So anyway, he was complimenting the Philippians on their generosity, because they knew that the Eucharist of Christ was the willingness to give to this far-reaching ministry of Paul. You know, people wanted to belong (laughs) under the tens, hundreds, and thousands of Paul's rule, because Paul's rule was gifting without strings attached. He wasn't he was sending aid. They wanted to know Paul because if they needed aid, Paul would be there for them. These are not lazy people. These are hardworking people. But like I said, there were global warming had stopped <laughs> at that particular time and global cooling had started. There were crop failures for a number of reasons and uh, supplies were being interrupted and people needed aid and assistance in order to do things. Right now in Australia, energy... ...is in high demand. Their grid is devastated. One of the chief factors of that devastation... ...was a woman who used to work for Hillary Clinton... ...who went to Australia to help them straighten out their grid... ...and she has devastated their grid. I may talk about that this afternoon. But she has devastated their electrical grid... ...and a country that is abundant in coal... ...both black coal and brown coal... ...abundant in that coal could produce... High energy output of steady electricity with very little carbon emission in high temperature furnaces that prevent that, that carbon from getting out there and doing any so-called damage, which isn't actually what is taking place, like I said. The reason there is more carbon is because there is global warming. Again, that science is on my side. I'm sorry. The science is on my side. That it is the carbon that is being released from the ocean where most of it is at. Because the oceans are warming up. And they're not just warming up with energy directly coming from the sun. But another story entirely. But anyway, let's get back to the gospel so that you understand what Christ is saying. Because that's where your salvation is. Not because I desire a gift. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You... It is in the nature of Christ to give, to lay down his life, to pick up his life more abundant. It is in the nature of the tens, hundreds, and thousands that hardworking, industrious people will share what they have. Most people, you know, I was talking to somebody who was a liberal and a Bernie supporter, and they were shocked to find out that per capita, per dollar, per capita, uh, Christian conservatives give more charity than uh liberals, you know, socialist liberals. They don't give charity. These million-dollar actors, multi-million-dollar actors, got millions and millions of dollars, have four million-dollar homes, you know, I mean, four different multi-million-dollar homes talking about we need socialism. Why don't you guys give up some of your wealth? I mean, you got more money than you know what to do with. Why aren't you starting charities? Why aren't you contributing 50%? of what you got. I mean, even Rockefeller used to do that. I mean, the, the original Rockefeller, I mean, that's probably part of his success is that he tithed. He gave huge amounts away to charity. Now, his children, they give away to charities too, but some of the giving away to charities they do is actually payback for favors. <laughs> and I can show you that another whole story. But there's a lot going on that you don't know about and you, Probably don't need to know about. What you need to know about is Christ, and you need to start doing what Christ said and what Paul preached. And that's what he's telling you. Is this this account of a man with one talent is an example of what uh, what he's talking about? That this is a spiritual accounting that needs to take place in your heart, in your mind and in the way in which you conduct your civil affairs in the kingdom of God, you can't do that until you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, because you need that network in order to operate it. But anyway, that's why Christ commanded it. But anyway, we'll be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So again, we're in Philippians, we're in chapter 4, and we're on verse 17. It is really important for you to understand that religion has always meant the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow men. Media, masterminds, uh false prophets, whatever you want to call them have altered the definition of religion to what you think about God. They probably use the epistles of Paul more than any other. Of course there's more epistles of Paul than than any other. To do that but but they could not do that without taking Paul out of the context of Paul. And, and Pauls lends himself to that abuse because Paul is speaking to you about things that are hard to understand. They're only hard to understand because you're not willing to really search your own soul. I mean, who wants to know that Social Security, welfare, food stamps, Medicare, Medicaid is identical to the Corbin of the Pharisees. It's the very force, forced welfare, that John the Baptist came preaching against. He, he was preaching against the idea of using force to provide for the needy of society, whether it be the shelter or food or any kind of care for the needy. you would not to use force. Christ forbid it. You're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. That's just so clear. It's right there. You're not to be that way if you're going to be a Christian. But they are that way. The people calling themselves Christians today... The people saying that they're the church today, the people that are writing books and making millions of dollars because they're real popular today in the media of Christianity, the false media of Christianity, say it's okay to desire benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other, while Christ forbid it not to be that way. You know, like, you cannot like me all you want. <laughs> you can say, oh, he's preaching a false gospel. What do you do with that? Because that's it. that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's, and it's really also in John, although the, John is not following that same pattern, so he said it in different ways. The gospel of John says it in different ways. But loving your neighbor is not coveting your neighbor's goods through men who are going to kick in your door if you don't contribute. That's not. That's the way of Nimrod. That's the way of Cain. That was the way of Caesar. It wasn't used to be the way of Rome when Rome was great and rose to prominence in the world and was the policeman of the world. It wasn't that way there. But 150 years before Christ, Polybius said, because the people are becoming accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others, they're going to degenerate into perfect savages. You want to know what it looks like to live amongst perfect savages? Go to San Francisco. Feast in the streets. Thousands upon thousands of heroin needles in the streets. People doing drugs in the street. Lude. It's not a crime to steal 900 bucks from somebody in the streets. To grab a purse and run with it. It's not a crime anymore. You don't get arrested for that. Yeah, it, you don't get arrested for shooting up heroin in the streets. You don't get adre, uh, arrested for being naked in the street. You get a citation. You break a car window in the street. You don't get arrested for that in San Francisco. That That's not bad enough to get arrested for. I mean, the, if a cop gets his car broken and he doesn't even report it to the police, that's not going to do any good. The, you know, the guy who shot those people in... uh uh, Texas that t- shot the two people in that church in Texas and was killed for his act of violence in defense of of the rest of the people he was about to kill had been arrested on a criminal charge in New Jersey and released because the DA didn't want to prosecute. That is common. Now there are probably good DAs out there, but what happens? You can make so much lawyer as a uh, so much you can make so much money. As a good lawyer, as a competent lawyer, let's put it that way, as a competent lawyer, that all competent lawyers are out there making big bucks. So the incompetent lawyers, what do they do? They become DAs. (laughs) They become district attorneys. And so you have incompetent lawyers becoming district attorneys. And what do they do? They don't prosecute crimes. That's a lot of work, prosecuting a crime and putting together a case. They don't want to do that. They plea bargain. They'll have somebody with ten charges against them, and they'll plea bargain them all the way until there's only like two charges. And and the guy's a mess. The guy's dangerous. I mean, a guy has nine drunk driving charges against him. He's been nine times drunk driving. He is perpetually doing He gets away with it in our small community because of the fact we don't have a lot of cars on the road. But, you know, uh, the present judge in this this county, wife was killed by a drug driver who just hit her and didn't even know he hit her. She was on a bicycle. And he hit her and he, he thought, well, I thought it was a deer or something. He just went home went to bed. Killed her. And... You know, so he's not very fond of drunk drivers. And I I don't really think incarceration is the answer for drunk driver, but you got to do something. Uh, these guys that are perpetually getting totally, totally blurry-eyed drunk and getting in a car driving around. It's like somebody walking down the street and just shooting at houses left and right uh, because he's going to kill somebody. So anyway prosecutor dropped all the charges i think we don't need to prosecute him for drunk driving again (laughs) you know like uh no that's not the way it should work but they're so lazy they're so incompetent they don't do anything about it but because justice is not in them you know when my father somebody was asking me just the other day what my i asked my father when i was a little kid why he became a lawyer Well, actually, at first I asked him why he didn't go into politics, because we knew people like the Bushes and Hubert Humphrey. My dad grew up with Hubert Humphrey, or at least his best friend was living in Hubert Humphrey's house. Uh, His best friend's parents had died, and Hubert Humphrey's parents took him in. And so my dad knew these people, and a lot of other people. He's a prominent uh, attorney down in Texas. And so I asked him why he didn't become a politician. And I've told this story before, but... He said, because I'm dishonest enough to be an attorney, but not dishonest enough to be a politician. (laughs) So, anyway, that's my dad's dry sense of humor. And so, of course, being a little kid, eight years old, I asked the next question. So, why did you become an attorney? (laughs) So, anyway, he said, I got in the wrong line at college. You know, and so anyway, that's, that was why he said he became an attorney. Of course, he's giving an answer to eight year old. Later on, when I started writing the book Covenants of the Gods, it was just all about law and how you, how you become merchandise by coveting the neighbor's goods and how you waive your rights by swearing oaths and taking, taking oaths and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, it's, it's dealing with legal issues and the law. It's got like seven, eight hundred footnotes in it. And it's free online if you want to read it, Covenants of the Gods. But anyway, I took it to my dad, or at least the first drafts of it, or the first drafts of the first part of it to my dad. And I said, what do you think? And, you know, he went and he studied it. He he read it. He looked up stuff and everything. He didn't say a word. This is my dad. Very, very, I mean, he wrote law books. And... uh he came back, sat down next to me, not saying a word, and I'm still sitting there on his couch down in California because uh, I'd gone down there to show him what I'd been writing. how <laughs> I was busy as a sheepherder out of the desert. But anyway, uh, he says, uh, I was right. My conclusions were right. They're correct. He says, but they're not going to like you. <laughs> and then that's what he told me a little bit more about why He had a genuine desire to attend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. It was in his heart. But that's not, and he thought, well, you become a lawyer. Well, I thought the same thing back when I was 13 years old and I wanted to serve God. And so I thought, well, you know, I was being raised in a Catholic family. And I thought, well, then become a priest because they're the ones that are serving God, right? Well, you know, I'm 13. What do I know? And so then I go off and start becoming a priest and studying I ended up in Saint Joseph's College. I was still pretty young, still teenager, and studying to be a priest. I'd gone to all all this testing and everything and was studying you know, they actually offered to take me to the Vatican to finish my studies. But then I began to become awake. <laughs> and so then I ended up going out to the desert and here I am telling you what the kingdom of God is all about. And in Philippians, which is where we were at, it's telling you to not because I desire gifts, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Christ took the kingdom away from the Pharisees, said he was going to do it, did it, did it by the words of their own mouth. And appointed it to the apostles. The kingdom of God was there. It was a government. A different kind of government than what you think of when I say government. But it was a voluntary government. A faith, hope, and charity. And he appointed it to the apostles. They made the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, of thousands as Christ commanded. And they organized a daily ministration and a lot more that reached all over the Roman Empire, that helped Christians not only survive but thrive during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Because they understood that the Eucharist of Christ was being thankful for the opportunity of giving, of sacrificing for the righteousness of the world. The righteousness in the world, That's what I should say. Because the world isn't righteous. The world needs saving. And, and your politicians are not going to do it. Which is why we wrote Article 2, section 22, to challenge them on the fact that they're bearing false witness because they've all taken oaths to abide by the rules in that Oregon constitution, and their 70 to 80 percent of them are in violation, and they others won't speak up because it would literally drain the swamp. And people don't want to really drain the swamp. I really want you to know why there's a swamp to begin with. And the reason there's a swamp to begin with is because you're not doing what Christ said. And Paul is trying to talk to people that are clearly doing what Christ said and trying to get them to be steadfast in that pursuit of the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. But I have... All and abound, I am full, I have received of Epaphroditus, which is another one of the ministers whose name is in the book of life. The things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, that's a metaphor, a sacrifice acceptable because it's freely given, well-pleasing to God so that it's going to bring you spiritual benefits. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, he's talking to people that have a daily ministration entirely run by faith, hope, and charity. He's not talking to people that are eating of things sacrificed at the other temples of the world. You have to remember, if you don't know that the temples of uh, Saturn, and the temples of Mineta, and all these, were government buildings, Temple of Maneta minted coin, Temple of Saturn, stored birth certificates, and other records, such as diplomats' records, etc. Uh, if you were a diplomat coming from another country, you had to notify the government. I'm pretty sure that uh, was Saddamini, so- whatever his name is, the guy who was killed in Iraq, uh did not notify Iraq that he was in the country as a diplomat from, uh, from Iran. Uh, but anyway, that, that's always been the law. If you're coming from another country, and that went to the temple. Why? Because they're government buildings. And Christians were not dependent upon the free bread of those systems the welfare of those systems, the Corbin of those systems. They had their own system. And until you seek that, you're not really seeking the kingdom of God, that conversation in heaven, that management of civil affairs through faith, hope, and charity, you're still seeking it through force, fear, and fealty. And that isn't the way of Christ. And you need to repent of your thinking and go the other way. So, anyway, he finishes with, Now unto God... And our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he finishes with a salute. Every saint in Christ Jesus. No, so now, why does he mention our Father? He's using the word Patri there. Rome had their Patri. The emperor was Patronus, the Our Father. That's what that means, Patronus. Patri, uh, was the title for all the senators. Patri Cicero. Patri Tacitus, all these guys who were Patry, Seneca. They were the conscripted Patry. But we were to call no man on earth, Father. We weren't to look to them, pray to them, to those men who exercise authority for our benefits. We were to provide them through faith, hope, and charity. This is what Christianity was. Now, if somebody hasn't told you that, they're not preaching the gospel of Christ. So he's saying... Now unto God, the God in heaven, our Father in heaven, salute every saint. Saints are those that are separated out. The apostles were separated out. They, there were rules that Christ laid down. They, they owned all things common. The people didn't own all things common. He was to return every man to his possessions, every man to his family. But the ministers were to own all things in common. And we explain that elsewhere. Maybe I'll put some more links in there. I think I already have some links on that page so that you can read those articles. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Again, that word salient, the separate ones, uh, salute you. Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Those of Caesar's household? What's he talking about? Paul was living in an area, Britannia, uh, of Rome, that was set aside for uh, actually what was now in-laws to Paul. Paul's half-brother's son was married to Claudia. And Linus was her brother. And they were from Great Britain. Claudia was was Gladys from Great Britain. Named Claudia by the Emperor Claudius because she was so impressed. I mean, there are poets who wrote about her. Juvenal wrote about her. Actually, appears to have had a little bit of a crush on her. But, uh, at least by his poetry, hard to tell. <laughs> but uh, Anyway, uh, he had two nieces who are well known in history that were there when Nero was making Christians suffer by his false flag of the burning of Rome. All these things are going on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to do some more studying. We're the alternative good news people, because we're going to actually tell you what most churches are not telling you. And that's why I'm saying, you know, that's why I started out with these things in the news, how people are being deceived, because what they're seeing... As news is filtered, you think there's global warming, and there is a slight bit of global warming, slight bit, not anything like the models say. That's why, you know, they have signs up uh, in Glacier National Park that said all these glaciers would be melted in the next 20 years. Well, they have to take those signs down because the 20 years are up and they're still not melted. As a matter of fact, they have... They've in this last storm and the storm that's coming that they they seem to be increasing quite a bit. (laughs) So anyway, the the reality is is that uh, they have to go and change the signs because none of the predictions are coming true yet. The governor of Oregon is trying to press cap and trade through on Oregonians and tax the living tar out of them, and it's the same kind of plan that we see has already implemented in. Australia, that has devastated their grid and, de- and shot up the price of power. They have blackouts now for days. Uh, huge damage to the economy by these blackouts. I mean, they, some of these uh, companies were running furnaces uh, to melt uh, down aluminum. And the blackout came right at the height and the entire furnace just froze up solid. They couldn't get the power to generate the heat. Uh, What's Now, there's going to be a backlash because of all this in Australia. Some people may wise up enough to start their own plants, but they're making that very difficult to do. Or they may buy up some... Right now, there are big money people buying up the last of the coal-fired plants and destroying them so that they can't be used. Because they know once those are, that cheap source of power is gone, they can charge more and more and more. And we saw the same thing in California with their rolling blackouts. We actually know, I actually know people personally contacted the, the nuclear power plant in, uh, in, in, near San Luis Obispo. And they were running at like 25% capacity. And he says, well, we're having rolling blackouts in California. Why are you doing that? I mean, it was a long conversation. He worked his way into the conversation a little at a time. The rolling blackouts were simply to scare the people so they could hike the prices up. We know that now, after the fact. And some of the prices went down, but they're continually going up. Because... When you move up the price of these kilowatts, just by a fraction. Somebody's making billions of dollars because we're dealing with so much power. And with that money, they can send a lot of kickbacks to the California politicians who are all getting to be millionaires while the people got feces in the streets. Corruption is prevailing. So what do you do? How do you change that? Get all mad and go down to the voting booth and change it? Your neighbor's an idiot. Your neighbor doesn't understand what's going on. He's watching CNN and thinking that what they're telling him is true. He doesn't know. You have no access to his mind. There's a lot more of him than there are of you. You need to do what Christ said. You need to what the early Christians did. They formed a network of hardworking, industrious, honorable people. Who would watch each other's back, take care of one another, in in the time of persecution, in the time of drought, in the time of dearth, and and disruptions to the economy? You need that is the asset you need. Well, you can't get in with a group like that unless you're like that too, and you can't fake that. You can't just say I believe and people believe you believe. That James tells you you. You know them by their fruits, by what they're doing. Paul's telling you how they get fruits. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. If I don't see you sacrificing for others, I'm not seeing fruit. If I'm not seeing you willing to lay down the false teachings you have accepted as a child and put away those things, and take on the things of a righteous Christian who is seeking righteousness. He's not himself righteous. God is righteous. We're seeking to do the will of the Father. If you don't do that, you're not going to be able to help the Kylies of the world and the the other people that are being chewed up one after another, and you don't even know about it. They say, Oh, we just want to focus on Kylie," and I understand. But the reality is you need to you know, you need to see all the other stuff that's going on. You get a grasp of that. If you're going to organize the people, you need to understand what Christ was talking about. What Christ was doing. What the early church was doing. You need to become a part of that kind of a process. Because you're going to need the full armor of God. to go. Because you're not going up against a couple of people doing bad things. You're going up in fighting in a spiritual warfare against the unrighteous spirits that dwell in the pagan temples of the world, which are the government buildings of the world. And I'm not saying everybody in government is bad. They're not. Or not. Uh, the Roman centurion wasn't bad. He was a man of greater faith than anybody else that Jesus had come across at that time. And he's right in the midst of government. He's, a, he's the head of us uh, as a centurion. I can't I'd love to hear the other conversations that Paul had with the head of the court who came in and found out that Paul was Romeos. He wasn't wasn't being a Roman citizen, again, we've explained that. Those of you who have heard it many times before. You get, you have to imagine and give me some allowances for the fact that so much of what I say People have not heard any part of it whatsoever. So if I say, no, Paul wasn't a Roman citizen, they say, well, it says right there in the Bible he was. No, he was Romeos. If you don't know what that means, go to Preparing You, read the article and find out. But right, what you really should do is join the network. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So go to Preparing You, find the network links, join the network, and start doing what Christ said, and preparing yourself for what is coming. Until then, about all I can say is peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services counseling lectures books and other audio materials please write to his church at summer lake box 10 summer lake oregon 97640 you can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net